You're listening to the Staff Study Podcast, a ministry of Bible Baptist Church in Mount Orb, Ohio. We hope this podcast will encourage you to study the Word of God and to grow in Christ. Welcome to the Staff Study Podcast. We want to thank you for tuning in today. We're so glad you've chosen to do so. Remember to like, share, comment, subscribe, review on whatever platform you listen to us on so that we can trend higher in the searches and reach others for the cause of Christ. We are uh, just thrilled to be able to continue our study on Romans chapter 9, and it can be a little bit of a, a tough chapter <laughs> to rightly divide the word. And, um, you know, this last half of chapter nine, it deals with two main topics, God's sovereignty and our human responsibility. And I think as students of the Bible who want to learn more about the divine nature of God, we've got to take a balanced approach to the scripture. We can't come in with a presupposition about how we want to receive a passage We can't have that bias. Uh, At the same time, we cannot forsake the knowledge we learn from other passages. So we can't give that up either. If we learn it from the Bible, that's a a good lens to look through. Uh, There has to be some balance. And such as the case when we read this passage, you could go just so heavy on the sovereignty of God that you completely forsake the human responsibility and you would fall into the Calvinistic camp. Or you could go so heavy on the human responsibility that um, you feel that all of salvation rests on our response and you would fall into that Armenian camp. Uh, But I think the proper uh, exegesis of the passage would be that of a balanced approach. Yes, God is sovereign. Yes, we have responsibility to respond. God's sovereignty does not impose on our free will. He's omnipresent, omnipotent, and he's omniscient, but he's a gentleman. He created us as free creatures with the cognitive ability to make conscious decisions, and he respects that to the point that he does not choose our fate. So we have a responsibility to place our faith in him. It's the only way to go to heaven. And as we read this passage, I think we'll see that uh, God, through his sovereignty, made that path available for us. And it's our responsibility to respond to it. And I think that's the balance between God's sovereignty and our free will. And I really had a debate in my mind whether we discuss that at the beginning or at the end. But I think it's important to discuss that at the beginning to get the right frame of mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And before we start reading and we pick up here in chapter 9 about verse 14 where we left off, it might be good to help us remember, too, what does that word sovereign mean? What is the definition of it? Um, and so it means supreme in power, uh, supreme in power, or superior to all others, uh, one who possesses the highest authority, a supreme lord or ruler. Those are the definitions that encompass being sovereign or supreme in power, superior, highest authority, lord or ruler, um, supreme. So sometimes um, the word sovereign or the sovereignty of God is misused and it's um, it's it's there's a definition or implication with the word sovereign that is not true to the definition sometimes. So we want to make sure that little uh, snippet that Rob gave us is great to have in our minds. Um, Election, the doctrine of election, as we looked at with Israel, and if you did not hear the last episode on Romans um, please go back and and you're going to be a little behind if you don't 
uh, get that last episode on Romans in with this one because they do go directly together starting chapter nine. It's very important that you get that first episode uh, where we did chapter nine um, the last time we talked here. But the election of Israel, God's election and free will um, are both Bible doctrines, as Rob pointed out. They're both true Bible doctrines. And so we got to find that balance and rightly divide. So I think that's a great introduction to get all that in our heads yeah and that, as we get started you know i we we discussed verse 13 already but uh it is tied together it says as it is written jacob have i loved but esau have i hated and if you remember just as a quick review um it is talking about people but it's really talking about the nations that they represent okay so then verse 14 says what shall we say then is there unrighteousness with god God forbid. Paul was saying God is still sovereign. That's what he's saying. Yes, Jacob has he loved and Esau has he hated, but we cannot question God's sovereignty because of that. Uh, he's still sovereign. His choices, um, what he's done is correct. And so you have to come to a a a point of humble humility where you're humble i almost said a point of humbleness but that's not a word mm-hmm. a point of humility where you realize that you know as i as the prophet isaiah said god's ways are higher than ours and you just have to accept that what god did is correct mm-hmm. and if god loved jacob and hated esau it wasn't without reason and it wasn't unjustified mm-hmm. it was justified because God's ways are higher than ours. Sometimes we can't see the reason. You know, I, re- I remember specifically, I don't know why I remember this, but as a kid, I wanted an icy one day, really bad. And my mom and dad, I think it was just my mom, I think my dad was at work, and my mom was at the gas station, and I said, I want an icy. And back then, you could get one for like 99 cents or probably less, I don't remember. But... um I said, I want an icy. And mom said, no, we're not getting an icy. And I said, I have money. And I did. I had a dollar in my pocket or something. And she said, no, you're not getting an icy. Well, I didn't need an icy because we were getting ready to go have dinner. But in my mind, she was just being a mean mom because she wouldn't let me have one. I had the money to buy it and she wouldn't even let me buy it. Mm -hmm. But um, she knew better because we're having dinner. And we have to get to a point like that with God where... We might not see the reasoning sometimes, but God knows better. He is sovereign. And as verse 14 says, and you pointed out, we have to trust that that God is going to act um, in justice, in complete and total justice and righteousness. Separate words, in justice. He's going to act (laughs) in uh, complete justness um, because he is just and holy and in complete righteousness. And, and that's what the verses we read last week there, um, that his purposes might stand because because they are right. And so we go on to verse 15, and it says, For he saith to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy. I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. God is speaking. So then it's not of him that willeth, nor of him that runneth, but of God that showeth mercy. So again, God's going back to when he told Moses um, that I'm, I will have mercy on who I'll have mercy and compassion on who I'll have compassion. And it's, it's not according to you 
or anybody else. It's according to me choosing to give mercy is what God's saying. And this was back when uh, when Moses went up uh, this, to get the second giving of the law is what he's referring to here. And um, God revealed himself to Moses. And um, if you remember there in Exodus 33, he told him, he was going to do this for him because Moses found grace in God's sight. Well, Moses didn't really do anything to find grace in God's sight, except try to be his humble servant. And so Moses didn't deserve that. God chose to have mercy on him and in his grace, right? God revealed uh, himself to Moses and gave that, that second giving of the law. He certainly didn't have to. After they had abused the first, yeah. the first uh, tablets that were giving and and the given, and for those of you listening, that's not iPad tablets. Those were tablets of stone that had the commandments of God carved in them. What generation was that? Yeah. <laughs> so it was of God's mercy that he that he gave that to Moses, and that's what he's saying here. Moses didn't deserve that, and Moses recognizes recognized mm-hmm. that he didn't deserve that. But even looking at verse seventeen not getting too far ahead, but he references back with Pharaoh and it says for the scripture saith unto Pharaoh, even for this same purpose, have I raised thee up that I might show my power in thee and that, that my name might be declared throughout all the earth. I think where a lot of the confusion comes from with, you know, election and, um, predestination, all that type of stuff, is that people start confusing these terms and they're trying to apply some of these principles here to salvation when it's not talking directly about salvation. Right. You guys understand what Pharaoh could have been saved. Yes. And I think when you go back and reread through Exodus, Pharaoh was given opportunity to repent. But it says that absolutely there were some times that the scripture says that God hardened his heart and there were times Mm -hmm. that it says that Pharaoh himself hardened his heart. Mm Mm-hmm. This statement, we'll see if you agree with this. Um, I read this statement in in some writings on these verses, and uh, one uh, Bible uh, scholar said this. He said that God forced Pharaoh to make the decision that was in his heart already. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The decision was there. That was Pharaoh's heart. Put his feet to the fire. Mm-hmm. Yes, I think I would agree with that. Yeah, um, that's a that's kind of a good way. It's like Jason said, you got to get that in the right perspective. And again, if you didn't listen to the very last episode before this we did on Romans, you need to get that first because uh, we did set up kind of how this is not talking about individual salvation yet at this point. Mm-hmm. It gets to that at the end of this chapter, and we'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, but you do have to remember this is talking still about God's purpose and election and choosing of Israel to be children of his promise. And we talked about all that in the last Romans and episode. It's interesting. Verse 16 and verse 18 are kind of akin to each other. Um, verse 16 says, So then it is not of him that willeth, nor of him that runneth, but of God that showeth mercy. And then verse 18 says, Therefore have he mercy on whom he will have mercy, and whom he will he hardeneth. Mm-hmm. So it's it's God's, God's discretion. And here's what's interesting about that. And this thought hit me just now. Um, you know, it's we try to study and we do our study separate, but we we try to study and we'll study the passage. We'll we'll cross reference other places in the Bible. We might read some commentary, uh, different things. And yet when we get here and we talk about it, 
new thoughts hit us sometimes. And this thought hit me. What is mercy? Mercy is not getting the punishment you deserve. Well, based on that, of course it's not your power that mm-hmm. you would get mercy. Sure. Mm-hmm. You know, the very definition of mercy says that it is of God's discretion. Because you're pardoned. You are guilty. Mm-hmm. But you're pardoned. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. I think, too, when you look at verse 14, it says, what shall we say then? Is there righteousness with God? You know, the question's being asked mm-hmm. in reference to, you know, God showing mercy or judgment. Then it almost gets brought out in the same words in verse number 19. It says, that will say then unto me, why doth he find fault for who hath raised his will? I almost feel like he's getting at the point where he's making the argument that God, the way God picked Moses to lead the children of Israel, you don't get to pick those leads in leadership, those Mm -hmm. roles. Mm -hmm. You know, we don't in ministry, you know, you don't decide, okay, I'm going to go be a missionary or I'm going to go start a church. God chooses. Mm, Yeah. Yeah. You know, and so I think that really what he's, he's almost like an underlying point that he's making, like a sub point is that, don't get upset mm-hmm. if you don't get picked for that. Yeah. yeah. You know, if, or if you're not chosen for that. And it, it, it really, it puts us, it forces us to look at ourself for who we really are. Cause it goes right into verse 20 and it says, nay, but oh man, we're just, we're just men. We're just flesh and blood. Who art thou that repliest against God? You're questioning God. You're, uh, dare to ask: Is there unrighteousness in the purpose of God? Is there? Are we questioning why God is finding fault because He's put these things into play, into into His purpose? Um, who art thou that repliest against God? Shall the thing formed say to Him that formed it, Why hast thou made me thus? And so it's it's exactly what y'all are are bringing up here. We're the created. God is the creator. Um, I saw this quote and I thought this was good. Uh, one one Bible teacher said, when dust gets stuck on itself, it's mud. <laughs> We're just dust. We get stuck on ourselves too much and 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 we're just we become mud. And that's not pleasant. So we forget that, though. We forget we're just dust. You know, we are just dust. That's where we came from. Faith accepts that, accepts the purposes of God and humbles, as you all have mentioned, humbles itself before Almighty God and his purposes and his ways that are higher and so on and so forth. Rebellion rejects that. And, and those are the people questioning God, replying against God here. The thing, you're the one who's formed, yet you're questioning God and his supreme power and plan and purpose. Yeah, the whole thing just reminds me of a rebellious, whiny, bratty child. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, really. And we can all be that way sometimes with God. Um, we've all been guilty of that. If, if you're if you're thinking you haven't you're probably lying to yourself um because we've all done that at times you know and we all get stuck on this well why would god 
put me through this when I'm just trying to serve him and it's a false humility because really that's pride right there. I've been so good to him and look what he's no, that's pride. You know, when we try to make it in some kind of false humility, I just want to serve him. I just want to serve you. No, you want to serve him on your terms. I just to put this kind of, I guess, on a practical level, the timing of this when we're you know, making this recording, you know, we've been dealing with the last two weeks with all this going on with Israel. And I'm sure you guys have heard a lot of the same arguments. People, when you start getting defensive in favor of um, Israel, a lot of people, you know, they wonder why. And from a biblical perspective, that's God's chosen people. Mm-hmm. And when you say that to somebody that's an unbeliever or has no Bible knowledge, they get very defensive and think, why why are the Jews God's people? I think when you consider this, I've asked my question, myself that question. We don't have direct Bible verse that says God chose the Israeli people because of, you know what I'm saying? Right. But when you go back, I think that the reason why it started with the Jewish people is that God called Abraham out. And I think it all goes back to what it's getting right here is that Abraham was willing. Mm-hmm. You know, God... God had a purpose, he had a plan, and he was going to use him, but it all goes back to also that Abraham was willing to submit himself to to the Lord. You know what Abraham said in uh, Genesis 18.27, he said, I've taken upon me to speak unto the Lord, which am but dust and ashes. Mm-hmm. Abraham, the father of the Hebrew race, he, like you said, Jason, he humbled himself, was a man of great faith, and before he dared speak to the Lord, he recognized what these verses are trying to teach us here, that don't yeah. forget when you start to question why things are happening or why has God put this into place, why why is this his plan or whatever the question may be, just remember your position. And people may not like that, but... Um, it's his universe. Um, if you don't like it, go find your own. Go yeah. move out. Go move into your own universe somewhere else. <laughs> and I don't want to get off chasing a rabbit trail here about um, a call to ministry or anything like that. But you were talking about, you mentioned twice about a willingness, um, you know, that God chooses leaders. And then you mentioned it about Abraham, that he was willing. Really, that call is a desire in your heart and a willingness to do whatever there is to that God would require you to do. And I think probably one of the best messages that I ever heard, I'm going to, I'm going to plug our, our church website here, go to www.bbcmtorab, bbcmountainorb.org, go to the sermon series and down toward the bottom of the page, you may have to scroll over to the left or right to find it. Um, there's a message from Kevin Faldy called Unconditional Surrender. Mm-hmm. And it is amazing. Yeah. That's what God is searching for is a willing heart. And that's what he was searching for with Israel. Yeah. And at one point they have ha- they had it. Well, more than one point. At several points in their history, they had it. Mm-hmm. But, you know, what tends to happen is a willing heart a generation later becomes a spoiled brat. Mm-hmm. And we saw it, you know, it's cyclical through 
the Bible. It's over and over and over and over. We see that. I mean, you read the book of Judges. It's like, man, couldn't you guys just look at what's happened and think, I don't want to do that again. But then we at points we look at our own life and we're like, oh, yeah, I do that, too. (laughs) Verse 21 says, hath not the potter uh, power over the clay? of the same lump to make one vessel unto honor and another unto dishonor. To go along with what y'all are pointing out here, why why would God mold and make somebody to be a vessel unto his honor that doesn't even want to be? Mm-hmm. You know, Moses certainly had the free will. We saw him lapse. We saw him in tough situations. He wasn't a perfect, sinless man. Um, but he was willing, as we're pointing out here, and God knew that. And he uh, was the potter and, and, and made um, uh, Moses fit him to be a, a vessel unto honor. And same way, he, he molded um, Pharaoh was a vessel, vessel unto dishonor. Um, verse 22 says, What if God, willing to show his wrath and to make his power known, endured with much Long-suffering, the vessels of wrath fitted to destruction. This is such an important verse. With much long-suffering, God endured. Even the vessels of wrath, those that he knows are going to dishonor him, and that's ultimately their choice, and in his sovereignty and his purpose, he knows that. Even though they're going to be vessels unto his dishonor, God still deals with them in mercy and endures and in long-suffering and gives them space for repentance. Sure. Well, it goes back to what we were saying earlier. Pharaoh could have gotten saved if he had wanted to. Mm-hmm. But here's here's this just shows God's sovereignty. So you see free will there that Pharaoh could have gotten saved. But God's sovereignty is he can use that unsaved man. And he did. He used Pharaoh to accomplish his purpose. Mm-hmm. Even though Pharaoh was not saved, he still had a part to play in God's plan. Not that we're pre-programmed, we're not. But God, you know, you've never surprised God. It's never like, oh, wow, didn't expect him to do that. Right. But we're not pre-programmed. But God can use an unsaved man. He used, look at the way he used uh, Balaam in the book of Numbers. Balaam was trying to curse Israel, and every time that he did, a blessing came out. And God can use all kinds of people. Uh, We get to choose where we're at in that spectrum. Moving on in verse 25, or verse 24, it says, Even us, whom he hath called, not of the Jews only, but also of the Gentiles, and he saith also in Osi, I will call them my people, which were not my people, and her beloved, which was not beloved. And it shall come to pass that in the place where it is said unto them, ye are not my people, there shall they be called the children of the living God. You know, going back to this topic of, you know, being chosen and all that, you know, God uh, was wanting to work um, through the nation of Israel and, you know, and disciple the world. But their rejection Mm -hmm. caused his focus to go from the Jewish people to now 
the Gentiles. Mm -hmm. And that's what he's talking about here, that when it says here that I I will call them my people, which were not my people, and her beloved, which was not my beloved. And then it says, uh, that's talking about the Gentile people here that, Mm -hmm. that do accept. And it says here that they shall be called the children of the living God. Yeah, exactly. And I think it's very important to see here everything we've talked about the beginning of this chapter in our last episode, and then up until this point, um, verse 24 and on down to the end of chapter 9, you have to see here in verse 24 where he says, even us, see that, even us whom he hath called. Now, the first part of chapter 9 we've been talking about very clearly, he was talking about himself according to the flesh and Israelites and, and Israel. Now he's saying, even us whom he hath called, not of the Jews only, but this is the first time he references this in this chapter, but also of the Gentiles. Don't get confused. What Jason is saying is absolutely correct. He's now, he's talked about their past. Now he's going to shift and deal with what is happening now presently in relation to Israel and with the Gentiles. He's calling out a people among him from the Gentiles. Um, all according to his mercy. And so he's established their past, but now he's he's starting to look at what is God doing presently with Israel, and and that, of course, involves a discussion uh, with the Gentiles, which he turns to here. Yeah, and we, you know, if you think back of when the, when the gospel kind of, quote-unquote, officially went to the Gentiles, it was uh, when Peter saw the vision of the sheet, and then he goes to Cornelius, and you remember in that sheet, um, he's told to eat, and he said, I'll not eat what's unclean. If you just think about God's design of creation, man was created to have dominion over the animal. Clearly, man is greater in God's eyes than animals, and, and Jesus reiterates that when he talks about feeding the sparrow, that the sparrow doesn't hunger. Why, why would you think that you would? So man is greater than animal. He says the animals are all clean. Why? In the Jews, in their mind, the Gentiles were dirty. Why, if the animals are clean, clearly the people are clean because they have dominion over the animal. They rank higher. If there's a hierarchy, man is higher than animal. Sorry to break it to you, Peter, but man is higher than animal. Okay. <laughs> so if the animals are all clean, and I'm thankful they are because I love bacon, but if the animals are all clean, of course the people are all clean. Mm-hmm. It has to happen that way. And that's what he's saying. He loves all the people. And then in verse 26, and it shall come to pass that in the place where it was said unto them, you're not my people, there shall they be called the children of the living God. Isaiah also crieth concerning Israel, though the number of the children of Israel be as the sand of the sea, a remnant shall be saved. There is always going to be a remnant. Mm -hmm. The Jewish people are not going to be eradicated. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, as Jason alluded to, as we're recording, the war between Hamas and Israel is about two weeks old right now. Mm -hmm. Uh, By the time this airs, it's going to be uh, several weeks older than that. Um, Who knows what will have happened. But I do know this. The Jewish people will not be eradicated. Right. I know that. I can say that I'm no prophet, 
to say that. All I did was read the Bible and read what the prophets said, Mm -hmm. because there will always be a remnant and there'll be a saved remnant. And that's what it's saying. You know, the gospel went to the Gentiles, but it did not forsake the Jews. The Jews can be saved. And that's what Paul, uh, that's why if you remember back, we talked about, you know, Paul said in, in the early part of the chapter, he would die and go to hell for the salvation of the Jews. He'd be willing. You're exactly right, Rob. God's purposes for Israel still and will stand. It says right there, verse 27, a remnant shall be saved, talking about Israel. And just a side note for our, um, and if you don't, you know, this may not be for you if you're listening and you don't understand these positions and different beliefs, but for our uh, Reformed uh, friends out there, our replacement theology friends, if what you believe is true, the Holy Spirit gave Paul some of the worst grammar in the world to pen this chapter. He's referring to three different groups of people here. Christians, Israel, and Gentiles. Mm-hmm. If supposedly the Christians are now spiritual Israel, we've got a problem. Paul didn't know what he was talking about. He didn't know who he was addressing because it says, though the number of the children of Israel be as the sand of the sea, a remnant shall be saved. Right before that, in verse 24, he said, even us whom he hath called not of the Jews only, but also of the Gentiles. He's making distinctions there. And so if that's not true, then why is he making these distinctions? Israel will be saved. His purpose is to Israel specifically that we've spelled out, still stand. And, and, and the church has not replaced Israel. Well, simple Very logic. Simply put. Just, yeah, simple logic says things that are not the same are different. I mean, it's just simple as that. You would think. Yeah. <laughs> it should be as simple as that. And I Anyhow. think the Holy Spirit certainly, and Paul uh, being moved by the Holy Spirit knew that. Mm-hmm. And it's why he wrote and used these certain titles and uh, wrote in a specific way. Just a s- side note there. Yeah, and it's it's why verse 28 says, for he will finish the work. Mm-hmm. It's not done. Yes. He's not finished with Israel. Mm-hmm. And cut it short in righteousness because a short work will the Lord make upon the earth. And as Isaiah said before, except the Lord of Sabbath had left us a seed, we had been as Sodom, Sodoma, which Sodom, and been made like unto Gomorrah. Mm-hmm. He's saying the Lord could have just wiped us out if he was finished. Mm-hmm. He was finished with Sodom and Gomorrah. Mm-hmm. And, and we're he, even going to see a remnant in the tribulation. Exactly. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah, who who goes into the into the millennial kingdom? It is the ones that go in in their mortal bodies, not their glorified bodies, are the saved of the tribulation saints, right? That's who, that's who goes into the millennial kingdom. We're going to see a remnant. It's going to be it's going to be a largely Jewish population. And you know, tying back in the theme here that he's worked off of, of course, has been what we started talking about, the sovereignty, the supreme power and authority of God, his purposes, his mercy, mercy on whom will have mercy, compassion on whom he has compassion. And um, verse 29, uh, what you just read there, Rob, is is a it just brings that right back to the for- forefront. If it wasn't for God's mercy upon them. 
even the elect nation, he would have every right that they they would end up just like Sodom and Gomorrah and God's righteousness mm-hmm. and justice couldn't be questioned about it. But yeah. his mercy and his supreme power and his purpose and his compassion and that mercy of God, according to that, um, uh, there will be a remnant saved. And except the Lord had left us that uh, that remnant, that seed he's talking about there, we they would have been like Sodom and Gomorrah. Yeah. And we kind of see a shift at verse 30, I think. I don't know about you guys, but I, you kind of see a topical shift a little bit. Uh, it's all tied, of course, but what shall we say then? That the Gentiles, which followed not after righteousness, have attained to righteousness, even the righteousness which is of faith. But Israel, which followed after the law of righteousness, had not attained to the law of righteousness. He, he's getting at, um, you know, be, look at all this, and then with that all in mind— um, the Gentiles, they have attained to righteousness, and it's by faith. Mm-hmm. Ephesians 2, 8, 9, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, not of works, lest any man should boast. Right? I I skipped part of that passage in there, but you all get what I'm saying. Quoting, I look it up. You're quoting the NIV over there, aren't you? <laughs> no, I'm not. <laughs> but um, the message. it's by grace that we're saved through faith, and that's what the Gentile. that's all the Gentiles could go on. Mm-hmm. The law was not given to them. Yeah. So they came to righteousness through faith. It's all they had to get there. Mm-hmm. While the Jew was trying to attain it through the law. Mm-hmm. And, and so they keep trying to uphold the law. And so what happens there? It becomes a very me-centered thing. Look what I did. Mm-hmm. you know. And it's what Jesus rebuked the Pharisees for. They were counting grains of salt to tithe on them. And he's like, look, I'm, I'm glad that you're tithing. But that's ridiculous. You're looking to the letter of the law and you're missing the spirit of it. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, it, it was really extreme. And then verse 32 says, Wherefore, because they sought it not by faith, but as it were by the works of the law, for they stumbled at that stumbling stone. As it is written, Behold, I lay in Sion a stumbling stone and rock of offense, and whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. Mm. Well, who is that stumbling stone? Yeah. You know, I think in most circles, if you went up and you said Jesus is a stumbling stone, people would want to punch you. <laughs> or a rock of a <laughs> But that's exactly who he's talking about. Right. There. Mm-hmm. That righteousness that they tried to produce, that they it did they didn't attain that that law of right to that law of righteousness because like you said, Rob, they were trying to manufacture it and produce it by works. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't the righteousness of God, nor could it ever, it could never reach or attain to the, the true righteousness of God. It's not possible. So um, here you have a, a, a beautiful uh, gospel presentation, right? Christ came and the Gentiles are saved by faith. And so that's, that's how people need to be saved today. And he he clearly sums that up. And it's interesting because um, you read verse 33, the last part of verse 33, after he brings up uh, being saved by faith is the only way you can have the righteousness of God. And it's through Christ. He's that stumbling stone. And whosoever believeth. Well, that's the message of the gospel right there. Mm -hmm. You say, how do you reconcile God's sovereignty and election with uh, free will? 
Well, they just did it. He, Paul did it by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit when you work down through chapter 9 because he, he talked about election. You cannot say there is no election in the Bible. There's no sovereignty of God that's wrong. It's full in chapter 9, the first part of it. But there is a definite turn, and he pauses here talking about Israel through chapters 9 and then in 10 and 11 we'll get to. And he says, oh, by the way, God, er, Israel is God's elect and still is and will be in the future. The purposes stand. He's sovereign. But Christ came and whosoever believeth on him shall be saved. That's how you reconcile the two. That's, I believe, what we see here in this chapter as we come to the end of it. I read a quote that I thought was very interesting from Spurgeon. And it was about that very topic. He said, somebody asked him, and, and I can't quote it. I'm going to summarize it. Somebody asked him, um, how do you reconcile God's sovereignty and our free will? And he said, you don't have to reconcile friends. Mm-hmm. They're not enemies. They go together. So we get in these camps where one side wants to take God's sovereignty and take it to a to a to a level that they want to leave out human free will and the other side wants to take free will and leave out God's sovereignty they're not at odds with each other they're friends even with the topic of soteriology with our salvation you know there's the work of God and there's the work of man yeah but when they're applied appropriately you can see with every Bible doctrine that it all works together mm-hmm. harmoniously. Yeah. Yeah. So like Dominic said, it's whosoever. Anyone can do it, and all it takes is by faith accepting Jesus Christ as your Savior. And you could pray and ask him right where you're at. If you believe in the death, burial, and resurrection, that's the gospel. Mm-hmm. You can ask him right there. You could say a simple little prayer, something to the effect of, Lord, I know that I'm a sinner, and I I believe that uh, you died on the cross, that you were buried, that you resurrected, and it was the payment for my sin. Come into my heart and help me to live for you. Save my soul and pray it in Jesus' name, and you can be saved if you pray that in belief. There's no special power in those words. It's in the belief of the heart and the confession of the mouth, and that's what uh, we will be getting to probably next episode uh, with Romans chapter 10. We'll see that. Some of the greatest soul-winning verses in the whole Bible. Uh, So if you've made a decision like that and you've prayed that prayer, we would love for you to reach out to us. Uh, We'd love to rejoice with you. We could probably send you some resources that maybe would help you. And we'd just love to hear from you. So staffstudypodcast at gmail.com. You can contact the church office, 937-444-2493. Uh, or you can message us on Facebook. It's facebook.com slash staffstudypodcast. We'd love to hear from you. Even if you didn't get saved today listening to the podcast, if you just want to make a comment or uh, correspond with us for some reason, feel free to reach out to us. We'd love to hear from you. We enjoy some interaction. So um, make sure that you like, share, comment, subscribe, and review. Help us to reach others for the cause of Christ. And until next time, we will see you then. Thank you for listening to the Staff Study Podcast. It is our prayer that this has been an encouragement for you in your walk with the Lord. Please visit our website at www.bbcmountorb.org 
For more information on our church and associated ministries, it is our desire to encourage you to study God's Word. 2 Timothy 2.15 says, Study the show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Thank you.